Hello, hello. My name is Emily, and this is your Creative Break. For today's episode, I want to talk about exposure. The way we introduce new styles or modes of creativity to ourselves and how we're able to control what goes in so that really good work comes out. So I have a friend who bought a supercar. If you don't know what a supercar is, it's just a really fancy car that goes really, really fast. And the cool thing about supercars is they are specifically designed to be the absolute most very best machine to move quickly, to handle difficult terrain. There's all different kinds. But the engineering that goes into them is unfathomable. And so the first thing he did when he got that supercar is he researched what kind of fuel, what kind of gasoline was the best he could put in. Not just what percentage, but which gas stations had the highest and most quality. And then he figured out where in town he could make sure that he was always near one. Obsessive? Absolutely. But it got me thinking about how we also expose ourselves to different works and what that does to our own process and our own output, what we make. And think about it. What you make is just a reflection of what you're around. They say, tell what you know. That the best story is to write or draw or perform what you have lived. But the part that they leave out is how you do that. So if you read lots of novels, you probably want to write a novel. If you go to a lot of plays, that's probably where you're going to start creating. But it's how we create that matters. It's the way that we do it, the mode of our creativity, that has a lot to do with what we take in. And it's subconscious. It's buried deep and a part of your consciousness that you don't really think about, that you maybe don't even recognize. And so it's really important to be aware of what we take in. Whose writing we emulate, whose visual design we're spitting back up without even thinking about it. Different styles, different ways of approaching the problem. That's all coded into what we take in. So for me, I studied what was considered the best at the time. My undergrad is in English. And so for me, the writing that I read was part of what's called the canon. And if you guys didn't do any kind of academic study of art, um, the canon is just a 
kind of collectively understood group of foundational works. They're foundational because they've lasted the test of time. Many of us have read them. And they're kind of pre-vetted by the best of us in the field. It's important to remember that people are picking the best works, and so it's not infallible. Unfortunately, I was in school in the early 2010s, if I can uh, date myself there. (laughs) But many of what I read was just straight, wealthy white guys. And, you know, I don't resent that. Obviously, in my adulthood, I've been able to seek out different kinds of voices and different kinds of work. But at the time, despite how uh, singular that monolith was of best writers, I was still able to see and pick out what mattered. And a lot of our study wasn't necessarily about the whole piece, but about how this author was able to really design a scenery that was compelling, how this writer was really adept at character development and the characters kind of redesign the game. Uh, One of my particular favorites, Virginia Woolf, who was not a straight white guy, (laughs) was able to kind of introduce all of us to the sense of stream of consciousness, which I think I embody in my work. And if I'm honest, you're listening to it right now. This is a stream of consciousness. And I kind of carry that around with me all the time. But all of this to say, when I first started, I was exposed to the greats. And a lot of those classes, especially creative writing classes, were specifically designed to do a deep dive into someone's work and really look at how they do it the conventions they used, the ways that they step out of the norm, and to write like them. And I know several people in art classes had the same concept. They would paint in the style of or in homage to a particular artist. And that was how you got those skills. You practiced. You practiced intentionally the way someone had done it before. That's not the only way to learn, but that is one of the tried and true ways to learn a particular skill set for what is called your writer toolbox or your creative toolbox. And it's important. It's really, really important to be aware of what you're taking in. I think we've all heard the you are what you eat, so I won't dwell on that one. That one's a little cheesy, but do think of yourself as a supercar. What about you is so perfectly in tuned to creating? What are your callings to make? And then how can you put in to your beautiful machine brain that makes your work even more streamlined, even more intentional? How do you come to the table with the best tools? I think it's really important to think about that and I think it's important to recognize when what you're doing isn't working. 
so I'll tell you a story. I have been a judge for several poetry and writing contests. We also have an anthology at my library that I have judged for. And the anthology is extremely gentle. We, we take almost everyone, unless your work is particularly ill-suited. And I have judged for a couple poetry contests, some that are like a prize, like the winner one, two, and three, or um, a couple that are just to be included in things and, you know, various levels of strictness. And I have also been a poetry editor on a couple occasions. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, when you're in that position, you read a lot of work. That's great. I think reading, reading, reading is wonderful. Uh, But the other side of that, at least in my case, is what we were getting was not always the most pinnacle example of excellence. You know, not like those time-tested, ever-studied, tried-and-true works in college. Nobody was sitting there saying this is the best. In fact, much of it was for... I mean, from my perspective, it felt like first drafts, works that were not entirely constructed with intention, things that rambled, things that really needed some time to settle, things that needed a really harsh editing to improve. And I'll be honest, I was extremely vulnerable to reading those things and subconsciously copying them. My writing, my personal writing, got so much worse when I was an editor. I'm not saying that everybody who is an editor is exposing themselves to the worst of the worst, and some of the works were amazing, and I would read them and think to myself, wow, I will never be this good. But the other half of that, the other side of that coin, is Sometimes when you expose yourself to works that you don't feel are great, you may start to see the effect of that in your work. And you may not be able to recognize it at first, but you will have echoes of whatever you're consuming and what you're putting out. So I'm not saying just read the best of the best. Some of what's considered best, I don't even really enjoy. Super boring. Really long. Dragged on. (laughs) One out of five stars. (laughs) But sometimes what happens is we really only have what's in front of us to guide us. And so intentionally choosing work that you enjoy or you want to emulate is an excellent way to build yourself a foundation. And let me just say, I'm not the only person in my world who has edited for poetry magazines and lit magazines. I have a friend who is on, I think like two or three. She's incredible. And her work is astounding. She is so good. And I think it's because she bolsters what she reads from students and you know, newly minted writers with some truly incredible contemporary works that would just knock your socks right off. So 
I think it is a balancing game. And if you're willing to sort of spread yourself out that way, awesome. But if you're only going to read one book, if you're only going to go to one museum, if you're only going to see one play, it's important to make it be something that you could see yourself emulating or writing or creating in that style. And if you see lots of things, no worries. But it's really, really important to think about what you consider as good and really be a little discriminative, especially in the beginning, about what you read or what you watch or what you look at or how you practice because you will echo whatever it is that you take in. I have another example. I was part of, or I am part of, we've sort of taken a break for COVID, but I'm part of a small kind of secret writing group. There's about six of us, and we've been writing together for two or three years. I think it's probably close to three now. And there's some magical thing that's happened in the last, gosh, I'll say, like two years where after writing together and critiquing each other's work and going through that process in this small collected group, we started to kind of write like each other. Now, not exactly, and not so indistinguishable that you couldn't tell my work from another members of the group, but I write with one poet who is extremely dark. His poems are just beautiful little nightmares and I love everything he does but I would never put myself in that category and yet after a year or so of looking at his works and talking about what was wonderful about them what made me needed a little more attention I started to write like him there were little echoes of what he was doing in my poetry I have another poet in that group who is hilariously funny. Everything she does is uproarious and wonderful and charming. And I never considered myself a funny writer. But over time, her sense of humor, her sort of satirical, facetious take on things started to tiptoe its way into my poetry as well. It was wonderful. I love it. But it got me thinking about how challenging it can be if you're not surrounded by peers whose work you think is wonderful. And I'll be honest, I am (laughs) like the weakest member of that group. I, I have the least accomplishments. I have the least kapow when it comes to what I'm writing and the messages in my poetry. I am definitely the little kid at the big kid's table. And so, you know, I can't imagine that they would be saying that about me, but it's important to have an understanding of what is good for you and what is maybe not something you want to continue. I tend to be a little wordy, and so if I was in a group of writers who were also very wordy, there would be no way for me 
to overcome that challenge. And so I would say if you are brand new to something or you're working on improving a set of skills or looking to up your game, it's important to consider what you want to do and who is already creating in that fashion. Who do you really admire and who would you like to emulate? I say emulate because no matter what you do, apart from just straight up plagiarism, which don't do that, no matter what you do, your work will still have your distinct flavor. You're never going to be exactly like someone else. And so even if you do consume media and artwork that isn't awesome, it's okay. You're still going to be you. But if you're intentionally trying to improve or you're taking up a new creative pursuit and you want to start out on the right foot, it's important to find someone who is doing it really, really well and take a look at everything they're doing. If it's a book, read it a couple times. If it's, you know, a visual piece or a performance, just sit with it for a while. Really imbue all of that magic into that part of your brain that doesn't even think about it anymore. Make it part of who you are. And if it's something that you want to change about your work, say you recognize a challenge or a limitation, then you also need to think about who you can expose yourself to, who you can read, who you can watch, that is doing it really differently than you in a way that you would like to do it. It's all very meta. I'm trying to cover every single possible art form <laughs> without being exclusionary. But just think about who you truly respect and admire in that field, in that canon. And think about the ways in which you can do it better. And the opposite is true. If you are trying to be absolutely unique and not have anything like anyone else, then have a detox. Take a little break. Don't consume anything for a little bit. However long feels right. Because the reality is, you will have little pieces of whatever you take in and whatever you put out. And it doesn't matter if you are consciously resisting it. Something will get through. So think of yourself as a supercar designed specifically to be really, really fast. And make sure what you're putting in that gas tank isn't mud. Make sure if you want to tell a story that you tell it with the absolute best tools and the best intentions. And if nothing else, just be aware. If you read something that you don't love, acknowledge that to yourself. This is not how I want to do it. This is not how I want to write. 
this is not how I want to paint. And make a distinction. Collect all your favorite works and look at them or watch them or read them often. Set yourself up for something truly beautiful. This has been a creative break. Whether you took a break, had a breakthrough, or would really like to break something, I'm with you. I have no perfect solution on this. I have been trying to figure out how to only expose myself to the best stuff for years. It's a lifelong journey. But we can be on that journey together. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for being part of this, and I will see you in the next one.